Welcome to the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Each week, we bring you discussions with educators on how they use blended, self-paced, and mastery-based learning to better serve their students. We believe teachers learn best from each other, so this is our way of lifting up the voices of leaders and innovators in our community. This is the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 114 of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. My name is Zach Diamond and I'm a middle school digital music teacher in Washington, D.C. And of course, I'm a Modern Classrooms implementer and a Modern Classrooms mentor. And tonight, I am really, really pleased to be joined by Xiaomin Sun, who is a middle school Chinese teacher at D.C. International School, which is also the school where I teach. And Xiaomin and I are colleagues, and we've both been at DCI for quite a long time, actually. So welcome, Xiaomin, to the podcast. Hi, Zach. Hi, everyone. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this. I've been looking for We've had this scheduled for quite a while, and I'm very excited. I know, yeah. I'm also very excited to be on this podcast. And I've been always, you know, wondering how this is going to be like. And, and, and I actually told my student that. Oh, really? Uh, maybe we should share. <laughs> yes. You and I actually teach some of the same students. Some of the students in my home or my ATL are, are in your Chinese class. And so I wonder if they're going to bother me about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, anyway, we're going to be talking about world language acquisition, teaching, in this case, Chinese, but I guess world language acquisition more generally in a modern classroom. And so we're going to really dive into that. I, I feel like I should mentioned that I, I do teach music in Spanish. I consider myself a music teacher um, more than a Spanish teacher, but I also taught English as a second language in Peru when I lived in Peru. And so I have some experience uh, with language teaching. Xiaomin is clearly going to be the expert here. Um, so I just wanted to share that I have a little bit of experience before we move on. But before we dive into the topic, Xiaomin, I know this is your, your first year uh, with Modern Classrooms, but I'd like for you to tell the listeners just a little bit more about yourself, about who you are, what you teach at DCI, and how you found out about Modern Classrooms and started your MCP journey. Okay, yes. Uh, so my name is Xiaomin, and I teach in DC International School. Um, currently, I teach two levels in uh, middle school. Uh, so uh, I think the first time I heard about Modern Classroom was many years ago, because uh, at our school, there are many teachers who actually went through the MCP journey. And so they always share something in the email. say, oh, they, they, there's a training or there is a summer session, you know. And uh, I saw that, uh, but I never really uh, digged into that. But, this, uh, but uh, in the pandemic, I think there's one day, uh, one of the principals in the middle school uh, were making a suggestion saying, you know, when you are posting assignment, uh, you should be labeling them as must do, should do, and aspire to do. And I was like, uh, where is this coming from? Because that can solve a lot of, uh, how to say, it can really uh, help teachers to, uh, to, to serve students better in terms of, you know, uh, some high achieving students might need uh, extra challenge and they're then the other students sometimes, uh, like sometimes, may just get the must do done right. Then I digged into the email and I saw. I think I actually saw one one of the emails from you saying, you know, uh, I think it was last year. You saying they are gonna having a summer session this year, and I signed up for this program and it has been great. That's so great. I remember that. I remember that in back in the Zoom year, <laughs> the twenty twenty. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah. Um, 
it was it was like a it was part of a push to sort of reduce the workload on students who were getting very 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 stressed in that very difficult year. Right. I remember seeing that language come up, and I was like, "How cool!" You know, because uh, it works <laughs> in a regular class. Like putting aside a pandemic, you know, modern classrooms was around before the pandemic, and it was a great idea to classify lessons and and take some of the burden off of the students so they could they can prioritize those must dos if they know that they're going to be busy or they have something to aspire to. You know, higher level students if they want. Um, and I agree, you know, our school has a lot of modern classrooms teachers. We did, when I did the training in person, it was actually at DCI and it was with about 15 or so other DCI teachers. Many DCI teachers have been on this podcast before and we do have a a very large, D, you know, DCI MCP community. Um, and so it would make sense for you to sort of find out about it that way. Yeah. And I actually remember there was one anecdote because when uh, Tony Rose was there at DCI, there's one time I was talking to her she, and she was saying she was making videos like for class, like until two o'clock in the morning or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> what kind of video was she making? <laughs> like until early in the morning, you know? And when I looked back, I realized, oh, this is the video she was making. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's, let's dive in here. Uh, before we start really talking about modern classrooms, I would like for you to describe to, well, to me and also to the listeners, just a little bit about your class. I know you teach, uh, you said two levels of Chinese and they're sort of upper intermediate and advanced in, in middle school. Um, I'd like for you to describe exactly what that entails. I I feel like I, I know very little about sort of the learning curve of Chinese because I, I do, I speak Spanish and I know that learning Spanish uh, is, well, I would imagine it to be somewhat simpler for an English speaker just because we use the same alphabet. Um, so I'm curious to hear at the intermediate to advanced levels for middle school, what is it that you're teaching to your students? I mean, is it grammar, vocabulary, pronunciation, um, or is it more advanced topics? Like, are they starting to do conversational stuff? Or are they analyzing texts? I don't know. I mean, I, I'm really sort of in the dark here. So I, I would love for you to describe what your class is all about. That's a great question, you know. And actually, uh, we do all of those, you know, vocabulary, grammar, or text, or, you know, analysis of the text, right? And uh, so in, just in general, you know, um, uh, like most of my students that I teach at DCI, uh, they went to immersion uh, elementary school. Right. So when they uh, come to DCI, they have already uh, have a decent uh, ability to communicate, you know, either listening, speaking, uh, or reading, you know, although their, their writing might be a little bit weaker because that's just the nature of Chinese language. Like reading writing is always uh, more challenging with the Han, the Chinese char- character uh, involved, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, I think it might be fun if I share with you the topic they are learning in, I mean, this year. Uh, for example, in my, in my uh, Chinese 3-4, uh, we are actually reading a, a biography by... Uh, Michelle Obama, uh, in her biography, The Becoming, uh, but we are reading the one in Chinese. Uh, so, oh, cool. uh, because one of the, uh, the first unit we, we are, we are learning this year is chi- childhood experience. And, uh, in the book, uh, Michelle uh, Obama actually talked a lot about her childhood, you know, growing up in Chicago. So, uh, besides learning about the uh, you know childhood of, of kids in China, but uh, we also covered this one, 
And uh, besides that, you know, we do uh, we study with the vlog interview that we found on YouTube. Uh, we talk about topics like food desert in this country. Uh, sometimes we also you know learning through TV shows like like you know for example, uh, what does outside school life look like for children in China, and also how that is sense, like similar or different from students in at DCI. Mm. Yeah. So in general, um, most of them are pretty advanced topics. Uh, if you are talking about language learning, you know. That does sound very advanced. That was more advanced than I was expecting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But 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 you know, we also like as language learning, you you always do grammar, vocabulary, pronunciation, right? But but it's not as explicit as uh, when you are uh, at the lower level or when you are uh, just starting the language. Yeah. Yeah, that I think that's what I meant. Like if you're if you're it sounds like you're very much not doing this, but if you're still teaching them the fundamentals of the language, it sounds more like they have the fundamentals and they're actually applying the language now, which is is very cool. That's I mean yes. that that's a that's a whole book. <laughs> like that's I know, I know, yeah. But we we are not we're not doing the whole book, you know. We no, yeah. we're doing a few uh one one chapter, you know, I, I, I picked the chapters from the book that really fit into this topic, you know, and, and kids are really interested, you know, especially Given the demographic in our students, you know, uh, something they can relate to. Um, so it's been uh, pretty fun. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm impressed. I'm impressed with my students, honestly, when I think about them. They're, they're young kids. Like, that's, that's, a, that's, that's quite impressive. Um, and so how has, uh, how has MCP gone for? I mean, I know, we, like I mentioned, we talked about this a little bit at the beginning of the school year. We cross each other in the halls, right? And we talk sometimes right, on right. Fridays and things. But... Uh, tell me about modern classrooms. I mean, how has it gone for you? This is this is you did it over the summer, you said. So I guess you must have started at the beginning of the year. And and I should also mention, like, or I I should emphasize, like you said, many teachers at DCI implement parts or all of MCP, and so the students are already familiar with the model. And so how has uh, how has that gone for you? Yeah, I think you know um, I have always been interested in you know how to. Uh, how to say, uh, not to spread myself too thin in the classroom, but uh, but at the same time, being able to meet the needs of each individual student in the classroom, right? Because like uh, it's always like you only have one teacher, like one human body. Like, no, no, I'm not the one human body. Like one teacher, right? like adult in the classroom while, while fa- uh, facing 19, 20, or 20 plus students, right? And, um, and I've been wondering how uh, we can do this. And I think one uh, there's one ingredient. At least, I mean, there are a lot of amazing things about MCP, you know. But one thing I like is self-paced uh, uh, learning through videos, you know, um, and how that really uh, uh, free the teacher from uh, a lot of times a little bit uh, repetitive, you know, work. Uh, for example, when when we are uh, learning the vocabulary, right. Uh, if I record uh, a five-minute video talking about three vocabularies, and uh, students can watch the video and uh, and learning about you know the meaning, the 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 pronunciation, and through examples providing and through visuals provided, right? Right. And if you compare that to uh, a non-MCP approach in the past, will be you know the teachers might be uh, making a Google slide and lecture in front of the 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 whole class. Like for five times, if, if that teacher's teaching the same level of class to, to right. Yeah, you mean like in the day, like you teach it five times in a day, right? Uh huh. Right. Like say if, if, if I'm teaching a Chinese four, uh, and I have five classes, and if 
they are, and we are doing this five times for the teachers, right? Right. The teachers are literally instructing that for five times. And there are really a lot of um, things going on in the classroom when you are doing the instruction. It's not, uh, it's, like, it's not only say, you know, the teacher's doing the instruction, everyone is listening, everyone's ready to listen, right? And or everyone is on the same, same pace. Because uh, that's not realistic, and uh, exactly, uh, yeah. By integrating this self-paced video, and with uh, like you know, uh, comprehension check questions in- embedded, I think um, it really first uh, free the teachers, um, and secondly, uh, give students the, the the choice to to self-paced their their work, and uh, it also improved. Uh, in my like personally, I feel it really improved my relationship with my students. Because imagine when you are doing instructing, like when you're doing instruction in the classroom, then two classroom, like two classmates, like two students were talking in the back, right? You're like, you are really uh, interrupting the class. And there might be some tension over there. But when you are doing that through video, you are actually being able to to check in with each and every student when they are doing the learning. And uh, and and the the approach you are adopting is not like I'm teaching you, it's like I'm facilitating. But I'm also checking in to see where you are and how I can support you. And it's not say I, I was support. Is I'm able to support you at that moment in the classroom, you know. And that kind of uh, uh, how to say switch is really helpful for the teachers and also for the students. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's just so great to hear. Like you're speaking the modern classroom's language, right? Like that's <laughs> that's it. That's totally it. It's that's what we feel. That's the great thing about modern classrooms. It's like. I don't know. I, how many times have I said this? It frees up the teacher, you know. Mm-hmm. It it lets you be a different kind of person as the teacher because you're not having that sort of conflict with those two students in the back you were talking about. You know, you're not. They're not interrupting you. They're just doing their thing. They might need a check in from you to be able to get back on track, or maybe they're having an important discussion about something. You know, right. Mm-hmm. Um. They're not interrupting anything, though. And so you don't have to deal with that as if it were like a catastrophic event in your lecture that's tearing <laughs> everything apart. Uh, that's I, I love that. I'm so happy to hear that. I'm so happy for you. That's so Thank fantastic. You. Yes. Um, I'm going to ask you more about those videos later because I feel like in in the in the context of language development, that's you made a lot of interesting specific points about the videos like teaching vocabulary in a very multimodal way. So I, I'm going to ask you more about that in a little bit. But um my next question for you was about self-pacing, and I, I love that you kind of transitioned right into it, actually. <laughs> um, so I, I think about language development, I think uh, of a very, like, personal level of assessment. You know, you need to really know every student's ability, and I think that you can give them tests and stuff, right? But speaking with a student in their target language, I think is it's really important as a language teacher. I'm curious how self-pacing has apart from that relationship building, apart from that sort of like checking in as needed with students and giving them the support they need, how has self-pacing allowed you to get to know your students' language development differently? Um, you know, because uh, like with like, uh, before using the self-paced, uh, um, a lot of times I think I'm caught in between, you know, um, and I did not have the resource to really, um, for example, a lot of times um, for lang- language classes, you know, at the beginning of school year, we got a, a, a class of new students, right? And we don't know where they are really. I mean, they, we have some regular uh, in-class conversations, but 
uh, it might be always the case, you know, uh, 10 out of the 20 students that you most often talk to, but there are another 10 or another five students, you don't really get a chance to talk as much, right? Right. And, and in language is when you don't talk, you don't really know their speaking uh, level, where, where they are, right? Right. And um, I think uh, the MCP provides me an opportunity to, to really talk to each student. And by talking to each of them, I get a better understanding of where they are and I'll also get a better understanding of the motivation or the lack of motivation behind the learning, you know, and how I can adapt to that and how I can support that student, you know, uh, in a holistic manner. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm thinking back to when I taught English to Peruvian, Spanish-speaking Peruvian students at a university, and I would like give, they would have tests, you know, and I would get their tests back. And sometimes there would be a student who was kind of quiet, you know, and they would do pretty well on their tests. And then one day I would have the chance to go and sit down with them and speak to them in English and realize their English was not at the level that I thought it was. Mm-hmm. You know, they couldn't have a conversation with me, but they were doing well on these tests. And I guess like reading and writing are important parts of language development, but there's something about speaking that it just feels like you have to have some level of fluency to understand me, like the listening aspect when I'm speaking to you in English. And you have to be able to articulate ideas in English to be able to talk back and have a conversation with me, you know? And so like, you know, those students who are performing well on tests, mm-hmm. it's, I'm, I'm sure if I had modern classrooms at the time, I would be doing more check-ins and realizing sooner and more exactly where mm-hmm. the needs were, you know? Yes, yes, yes. Totally agree with what you, uh, what, what, what you shared. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, this year, uh, because normally uh, in language class, we, uh, like in our school, we do an early diagnosis, you know, and uh, I remember in the past few years, uh, I did not get the diagnosis probably until like uh, four or fifth week until the school year, but this year, second week, I already knew, like these two students uh, are behind and they might be misplaced. I mean, even... In the end, they still stay in my classroom, but I feel like I uh, acted earlier than what I did before, you know? Right, right, because you checked in with them and you spoke with them. And, and yes, I guess, yes. like, I assume you're talking about the stamp test that they take, right? Because um, stamp test does not really come, uh, at, at DCI, does not really kick in until, I would say, September-ish, right? September, end of September? Yeah, but, but I feel like uh, this year, um, I was able to identify them like at probably the first two weeks, you know. So that really helped me in, in, in that sense. You know, I shared that with my supervisor saying, you know, this is my, this is what I observed. And let me tell you one thing, you know, there was one day I had, uh, I think it's my for, uh, first formal uh, observation of school year, you know. So they came in and everyone was doing their work. And I was literally checking with every student. And I feel like they were bored and they left because <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the instruction is on the board, right? I have the public facing uh, tracker and also the expectation on the board, like uh, projected. And uh, for a moment, I feel like uh, they were puzzled. Like uh, this Song Lao Shi, he was not teaching and uh, what is going on, right? But you can tell every kid is busy and they are on their task. Yeah. Yeah, observations are often very successful for me in that same sense because it's like I don't I'm not really you're right. I guess it in I'm putting my fingers and making quotes, right? It's like I'm not teaching, but they're learning. 
You know, like the the observer would always walk up to the kids and ask what they were doing, and the kids would know exactly what to say. They would say, "Oh, I'm on lesson four of this project. I'm working on this particular step of the of the project. You know, I'm making my drum beat or whatever, and I have to put the notes on this thing and this thing." And it's like they describe exactly what they have to do, and the observers are like, "Wow, okay, <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> um, I know, right?" <laughs> and so, I guess as a follow up question, I'm curious when you do those check ins with students that you're able to do because they're self pacing. How do you intervene? Like when you find those students who are who are maybe their test, their diagnostic doesn't show how behind they are in terms of their speaking or something like that. How what? How do you address that? How do you uh, intervene and and maybe remediate that? You know, to me, um, you know, if a student, I think language probably is a little bit different from uh, the uh, other subject in the sense, if a kid is not performing in speaking. Uh, like in my case, a lot of times is the kids just lost, uh, you know, motivation in in uh, in language learning, mm. and uh, so always for me the approach is really get to know the student, you know, to 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 see uh, like what their what their interests are as a person, uh, and that, that that's always my first step, you know, and also uh, communicate with the family, you know, re- regularly about what that students doing uh, what he or she is achieving in the classroom you know and i think that actually helps to build a very healthy relationship with 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 the learner and from 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 there i think i have a foundation of 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 push the student to to do better in the classroom um and have a high expectation for students for the student um because i uh i have a uh one student specifically you know because i had uh, his uh, sister before so when I when I first had him in class this year, uh, you know, like a new student, they always are kind of um, uh, avoiding uh, and not really showing interest. It's not really that they are not interested. It's like that's their way of of approaching things uh, when they're totally new, right, at that age. And so I got the chance to sit down with with, with him and to understand you know, what's going on, for example, uh, how his past learning experience has been like, and also uh, in, his, in his personal opinion, what is he, the relationship between him and the language learning or Chinese language learning? You know, like how Chinese to him, uh, like how, how how that sounds like and how that feels like. You know, and I can see some of their 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 frustrations, um, and I think that really helped me to 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 get everything started. And you know, and also I think a lot of students have to. They need to feel they are seen, you know. Yes. They need to feel they are they are seen in the classroom by the teachers, by their peers, and you know, in the tradi- uh, in the traditional classroom because you don't have this kind of uh, like a time from the teachers where you get to check in with every every student, right? But by talking to every student, I think they are getting their voice heard. They are getting themselves they are making themselves visible, right, in the classroom. And I think that's a very important part in in learning just in general or in anything, any kind of community, right? Right. Yes. I I mean, I I love that. I feel like they have to feel seen. And I I also feel like they, when they know that you will put their, like their humanity before today's lesson, you know, and, and listen to them. Yes. Because it's like, yeah, okay. The reality is you're in a Chinese class. You have to learn Chinese here, right? And by the end of the year, you will have grown and you'll have learned more Chinese than you already knew before. But on the other hand, like on a particular day, 
if they're not feeling it that day and you try and force them, that will that will drive them away, you know? Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I, I just love that. I mean, I love that. It comes down to relationships. It always does, and it always should. So that's fantastic. Um, so I want to ask you another question sort of relating to uh, a very large structural component of a modern classroom um, apart from self-pacing. The first one was self-pacing. Um, and the second one I want to ask you about is revision. Uh, when I think about language learning, and, and you actually, in in your response before, you use the word performance, their, their spoken performance. And I think that in some ways, language learning is similar to music learning in that it is a performance, you know, whether it's a scripted performance or an improvised performance. The students, when they're speaking Chinese, they're putting on a performance that they can practice and improve, you know. And so practice activities leading up to a mastery check and then revision are a big part of modern classrooms. And I'd like to hear you sort of speak to that. Like, how has modern classrooms as a structure allowed you to, or, you know, even before modern classrooms, how did you sort of nurture that as a as a practice? You know, like, it's not like you speak the sentence in Chinese and then you are done and that's your grade forever. You know, you, you develop, you improve, and you can even improve the same exact sentence by pronouncing it better or something along those lines. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, for for language learning, uh, we're always talking about uh, talking about the four skills, right? We're talking about listening, we're talking about uh, reading, we're talking about speaking and writing. And uh, for uh, in the uh, context of modern classroom, how revision is done and how how that is integrated into the whole learning journey, I think one part I need to mention is uh, the public facing tracker. The reason is uh, uh, that I mentioned about this part is because, you know, uh, when we are having the uh, public tr- uh, facing tracker out, students are able actually to see where they are. For example, uh, when I collected uh, lesson four, right, then I review them, then I put mark on there is if it's uh, yellow means they need to review or they need to revise. And if it's green means uh, they, they did pretty well and they can move on to the next lesson. And by showing that, actually, we are encouraging students to take initiative, like to revise or ask for detailed feedback. For example, uh, today at the end of a, uh, at the end of class, uh, I was review, reviewing uh, the work student turning on on the paper, actually, you know. And we were going through with them, and I then I say, uh, okay, you need to fix this because uh, you used the wrong words. And at the same time, after I seen that, then I return the work to them. At the same time, I marked a yellow and R in the public facing tracker. And uh, uh, that's a very clear signal, you know, uh, to the student uh, to share with them, you know, what, what he or she needs, needs to do the next step, right? Because like what you said, uh, length learning, a lot of times I, I have a... a uh, one analogy that I stole from another teacher years ago. Um, um, I think, you know, in, in many aspects, um, how to say, uh, length learning is like a training in sports, right? Training in as a basketball player, training as a football player, right? Uh, there are a lot of drills you have to do and in, like you, when you do in, in baseball. And there are also a lot of drills you need to do in length learning. But when you say, uh, can I don't do drills and skip to test or just skip to performance? Yeah, you might be lucky and be successful. But uh, 
it's not guaranteed, right? And if you want to improve, you always need this kind of practice uh, to 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 uh, to do better. Yeah. What what happens then when a student gets that yellow mark? Like, uh, I I love what you said. Like, it makes them want to seek feedback because they actually want to get they want to get the check, right? They want to get the green. Um. So like, yeah, it motivates them to seek feedback from you, which is great. And so it actually like motivates them to to grow and learn as Chinese speakers. Uh, what happens then? Like, do they come and check in with you? Do you do you work with them to fix the answer? What happens then? You know, because uh, depend on uh, how that task is completed. For example, if the task is complete on paper, right? So they literally bring a paper to me for me to check. And uh, sometimes I just circle the answer and I talk to them, say, you need to fix this one because why? Oh, uh, because reason one, two, three, right? And uh, then I make uh, then I make a mark R in the uh, public facing tracker. Then they go back with their paper. Uh, to fix it and when the work is done um, say electronically for, for example when we are uh, doing uh, a listening practice uh, in Edpuzzle right when there's a lot of checking questions they are actually able to see what they get uh, whether they get it right or wrong and if they got wrong what the right answer is uh, for that question if, if, if that makes sense to you yeah no it does it does Art, do you have any examples of that where it's a spoken assignment and like you you want to help them develop their pronunciation or something like that? Yeah, I think speaking is more challenging in this context because uh, the nature of speaking is is once it's spoken, it's, it's gone, right? Right. And there's not a, I mean, there is a record, but in, uh, to be able to really uh, use that record, it takes a lot of resource and time. And unfortunately, yeah, I I don't think at this moment I have that much resources. Uh, but well, like what I normally do is, for for example, you know, in any, is especially in assessment, uh, we have rubric, right? So whenever they 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 when when that speaking is done, for example, is a presentational mode, which means you know they are they are they are talking, they are not uh engaging conversation with the, with the other people, right? So one example is you know uh, in the uh, first unit, um, uh, uh, one of our uh, classes were exploring the perspectives people are looking at them, you know, how their friends, how their family, and how themselves looking at themselves, you know, the perspective, you know. And uh, I was able to uh, listen to all of the, uh, the video they, they uh, recorded. Then while I listened to their video, I was taking notes, uh, basically listing all the uh, the vocab they used, especially the one that I want them to use, you know, and the structure they used. And I return the feedback to them. And uh, some of the kids will say, oh, Sun uh, I feel like I can do better. Yes, you can do better. Then they uh, look at the feedback and do, do this same speaking second time. And you can always see uh, the improvement that they made in the second video or in the second performance. Yeah, in that situation. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that's sort of what I meant by that performance aspect of it, right? Like the first time, if you're, as in music, you know, if you're trying to learn a difficult passage on the on the piano or violin or something, the first time you do it is not going to be as good. But you, you find the notes that were squeaky or you find the notes that you missed on the piano and you fix the mistakes and you gradually improve that way. Yes, yeah. And, and like, I like how you said that it's, you say it once and then it's gone. It, in some ways, it makes it harder to assess unless you record it. But in other ways, 
it's an opportunity for the students. Like, okay, you messed up. It's over now. That's in the past. It's over. It's <laughs> yes. gone. We won't hear that again. And so you can try again. You can try again and again and again and again because it's just a sentence. You can say it as many times as you want, right? Yeah, you can really do do like a lot of practice and improve that way. That's awesome. I love that. Um, cool. So we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back from the break, I want to ask you, Shamin, a little bit more sort of specifics about your modern classroom and how you use modern classrooms to teach language. Awesome. Hey listeners, it's Tony Rose here with some announcements and reminders. If you and or your teacher bestie are interested in the virtual mentorship program, we do have scholarships available. Make sure to check out modernclassrooms.org slash scholarships. We have regional scholarships available for educators in Baltimore City, New York City, D.C., Chicago, Tulsa County, and the Twin Cities that include full tuition, a year of implementation support, and a $500 stipend for finishing the program. We are continuing our scholarship across the state of Indiana, which includes implementation support and 30 PGPs. Any educator in the state can enroll right now at modernclassrooms.org indiana. We also have partnerships with districts across the country who are paying for educators to go through our training. As for professional learning, make sure to check out our webinars page on modernclassrooms.org webinars. And to connect with our community, join our Twitter chat on the first Wednesday of the month and our virtual meetup on the second Wednesday of the month. Both are at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and we hope to connect with you outside of our podcast. Hey there, listeners. I'm really happy to report that we have a love note from a listener for you. We actually have a couple of these in the queue, so I'm going to be dropping them into uh, upcoming episodes. This one is from Doris Moore, who is an AP language and lit teacher. And I'm really happy to have a love note from an AP language and lit teacher because we get a lot of questions from AP teachers. And so it's great to hear that it's going so well for Doris. Hi, I'm Doris Moore, an AP lit and lang teacher in Florida. I love the way Modern Classroom Project enables me to truly focus my instruction, and it gives me valuable time to work with my students individually. Because I can spend more time with them, I feel more knowledgeable about my students' capabilities now in the middle of our first quarter than I ever have before. And my students are loving the freedom and the growth they experience. It's not unusual for a student to hang around my desk while I grade their skill check so I can talk through it with them. It's just been a truly valuable experience. I went through the Virtual Summer Institute and the mentoring was valuable there as well. Um, Just really helping set me up for success, which sets my students up for success, which is fantastic. Thank you so much for that, Therese. Remember, you too can send us a quick note about how you run your modern classroom and what you love about it. And we'll feature it right here on the podcast in the break. Uh, you can email us your audio at podcast at modernclassrooms.org, of course, or there's instructions in the show notes that you can follow for submitting a love note as well using Vocaroo. But for now, let's get back into it with Xiaomin. All right, folks, we are back. I'm here with Xiaomin, who is, again, a colleague of mine at DC International School and a Chinese teacher. And I want to sort of dig in now on some really specific aspects of language learning and language teaching and and how they relate to modern classrooms. So I I mentioned before that I I speak Spanish and I have taught English and I teach music in Spanish. Um, And so I'm sometimes paired with modern classrooms mentees who are language teachers. And a very common question that I get that I, I don't feel like I actually have a very good answer to is how you design mastery checks, you know, meaningful mastery checks for things like vocabulary, that kind of just require the students to memorize the answers. 
Can you talk about how you assess those sorts of topics? What kind of assessment tools do you use to see if students have mastered something as simple as, you know, some vocabulary words? Yeah, I think that's also one of my challenge when I, when I was doing the MCP training in the summer, because you know, uh, vocabulary is vocabulary, right? There's a lot of memory uh, involved, a lot of effort involved, right? Um, and I have always feel like you know, if I test that way, or when I check comprehension, uh, when I check understanding that way, it feels not very authentic, right? So one thing I tried is the scaffolding of the task. I'm not sure what, whether that's the right term for that, but but let me give you one example. Um, I think it's because of the level of my students. We are not uh, doing vocabulary like, you know, we write, we, we write the words. I mean, we still do write, right? But I present in this way. I present the word, the, the pronunciation, the definition, and the part of speech, like if it is a verb, adjective, and then I provide an example. Uh, but the example is not completed. For, for one example, the word we are learning is narrow, right? And uh, the, the example sentence I provide is, the DCI hallway is very narrow. So, and I leave that empty. Oh. I leave that empty. So that kind of, you know, give them an opportunity uh, to and I also have one picture in the slide, right? Then actually every student have their own answers, right? And uh, they are speaking and they are listening to other people sharing of their uh, their sentence. For example, you know, uh, there are different sentences coming out from my students' mouth. You know, some some kids were saying, uh, "DCI uh, hallways are very narrow," so I'm always late to the next class. And there are other kids saying this hallway is very narrow, so I bump into the other people. Yeah, I love this. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's uh, one of the ways that I have been trying to make it as authentic as possible. At the same time, uh, how to say, it's kind of structured as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I love it. It is completely authentic. It's like... You and I, we were talking before we started recording and, and during the break about our kids. We both have young kids. And it's like, kids learn words that way. They don't learn them by being told what they mean. They learn them by hearing grownups say them, you know, and they start trying them out. And it's like learning it by using it. And I love that the students get to formulate an idea of their own. There's not a single right answer. Yeah. And actually, I have another example as well. Because, you know, for, for the narrow, for that word, I provide two sentence starters. You know, one is... The DCI hallway is very narrow, uh, but most of the responses are pretty uh, like the examples I provided, right? But then I have another example is, you know, in my room, there is a narrow table, right? Then the next, then I, then blank. Yeah. Then the kids will be saying, like, um, you know, in my room, there's a narrow table. Uh, I do my homework on the table every day. I draw on the table every day. I put my backpack on the table every day. Uh, I dream to have a bigger table every day or something in, in, in that manner. And, and I remember there, there's another student saying, you know, there is a narrow table in my classroom. Uh, when I push too hard, uh, it fell. So I feel this kind of give them an opportunity to understand, you know, with the visual 
uh, with the definition, with the part of speech, right? They are able to identify the meaning of the word, but at the same time, be able to use it in a, a usable manner, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, I mean, that's such a creative approach. I love that. You're not asking them to memorize it. You're giving them the word, but you're asking them to construct the meaning around the word themselves. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I can give you another example. For example, the other word is parallel, right? And I just to put uh, the, the, the sentence starter is my brother's bed and my, uh, my younger brother's bed and my bed are parallel because, and they finish the sentence. Now, some kids say, you know, because we are twins, uh, because in this way, there are more space because we want to put a, a table in, 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 in between. And because uh, my little brother scared to sleep by himself. Mm-hmm. And because my mom put it this way, you know, so I like it and I feel the kids also like it. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I collect all of their responses and I compile them together. And this becomes not only uh, vocabulary practice, but also reading, you know, yeah. uh, reading uh, like a resource where they see their own examples of were, you know, were used. And also all of those repetitions of the new words that I collected, right, that they they spoke. Yeah. What a fantastic way to, to assess that. And also they can revise it. You know, it's not yes. like mm-hmm. if you just say like, what's the meaning of the word narrow? And then they write the, the thing wrong, you know, mm-hmm. uh, then you just sort of tell them the right answer and that's that. But this, they actually change their answer and revise the answer and have to sort of re recalculate the meaning in their brain, you know, like, and wow, what a, what a fantastic way to do that. I love that. And I am going to use that when language teachers ask me <laughs> what to do because it's a really great and very creative approach. Um, very, very cool. Very cool. I have another couple questions for you about specifics of your class um, and how they relate with modern classrooms. I'd like to hear a little about how you facilitate discussions between students in Chinese, if if they do. Um, I actually have, there's a uh, an art in Chinese class that happens in my classroom. And so I do get to see students talking to each other and to their teacher in Chinese. I know it does happen. And so... Um, how have you managed to do that in a modern classroom? Do you what routines do you have that you find successful in getting students to authentically interact in the in the target language? You know, I, I think this really the the question is, you know, like what is the purpose of that discussion, right, or that specific moment? Sure, yeah. That you are that you are planning. Um, for example, um, if that assignment, uh, if that task is intended to be. Uh, activate background knowledge, right, of the students on a certain topic, then uh, you might be designing a prompt uh, serving that purpose, right? Uh, for 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 one example, um, when we are starting a new new unit, we normally go with you know uh, one of the thinking routines from the making thinking visible project. Uh, they you know is a see think wonder, right, or uh, see, think, we, me. So basically you are sharing what do you see, like what do you think, what do you wonder with with, with your peers, right? And this is not seeming to be very uh, structured because, you know, kids just uh, like a student A share their opinion, then student B share their opinion, right? Um, however, if this activity is intended to review or for the student to use the words or structure they, they learned, then... You can rework uh, this uh, prompt uh, into something like, you know, uh, 
use three sentences to to describe this picture. And uh, when you're describing, you are using at least two advanced structures that we learned. Um, and when the other student is 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 talking, uh, try to come up with a question to uh, to ask that student who shared. So uh, compared to the first one is is more structured, um, and uh, it's not just you know one sharing then then done right is is one sharing the other one is still able to engage and respond to the um, to the speaking of the first student, and uh, uh, there is another another tool that I uh, have found pretty useful is uh, the parlay. Uh, yeah, yeah, parlay ideas, uh, which I use a lot, especially toward the end of a, a topic or a unit, you know, because in parlay, basically you can put in uh, different uh, prompts in there. Then as soon as you start the discussion, students are able to press different buttons. You know, they can press the new idea or build on or challenge or have a question, right? And uh, sometimes uh, one student might already share the idea, but the other student might be uh, feeling like, oh, he or she already said what I want to say, but I can build on what he or she said, right? Or I can challenge what he or she said. And uh, in partly, uh, the, 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 the other interesting part is, you know, the system is able to, to, uh, how to say record all of the activities that the student did during the session. So it's kind of provide a, a structure, but at the same time, uh, incentive for the student to to be engaged in a deeper discussion of a certain topic. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't even think of parlay and like written interaction with one another. Yeah, they, they can do both. Actually, they can uh, do both uh, writing and speaking. Because when you do speaking, is a roundtable. Uh, when you do writing, is more uh, like you know type, right? They respond to whatever the other people said. Now a lot of time you can say you know you, you need to read their responses and like you know there might be twenty students in the class. You say you need to read ten students and respond to five of them using and the sentence the sentence starter is this and you need to use this word in it something like that in in that manner. Yeah. Yeah. No, both are valid, right? It's it's all communication. That's awesome. Um, we're running low on time. I want to keep going. I have two more questions for you. So let's let's keep it going here. Um, and this is going to probably be a big one. You talked a little bit before about how you use videos and you talked about how you embed questions and things like that. And I, I'd like to hear more about that. You know, it was actually really interesting to me what you said, uh, teaching vocabulary through video. You can teach pronunciation. You can show them pictures. You can, I guess, you can you have to show them the character in Chinese um, that they need to use for the word and, and all that. Um, and I would imagine video is also really great for other aspects of language learning like pronunciation. So tell me more about how you've used video and those videos that you're hopefully not staying up until 2 a.m. Uh, <laughs> I'm not doing two M videos anymore. <laughs> <laughs> anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I actually did not think of uh um, you know, when I'm think when I'm using video uh for content uh delivery, I did not think about pronunciation sp- like specifically, uh, because I think at my level oh no, actually actually you know what? What I have been using the video is, you know, because it's language class, right? It cannot be just student watch video. Uh, check their understanding and turning the work, and that's not a cycle, right? 
And what I did is, um, for example, when we are uh, comprehending uh, videos or audios in the class uh, through self-paced learning, after they finish the Ed Puzzle, and we actually, I actually have an extra step where I print down all the questions. Now, since they already watched the video, since they already comprehended, uh, check their comprehension, and I, and I pick like for example, if there are uh, seven or eight questions in the video, right, for comprehension check, uh, then on the paper form, I pick three uh, or three, four out of the seven questions, and we go through them one more time in class, in speaking. Oh, okay. Yeah. So an extra step where you can you can make sure, you know, students not only do the listening and answer questions, but also they are verbalizing and using the language and responding to the question, not only in the written form, you know, when they type the answer, but also they're sharing loudly with the class. Because um, I, I think for, for language, that's very important. Yeah, being able to speak in front of a large group in a target language. I know that many students are very anxious about that. How, how do you do that? In a self-paced class, though, like how, if they're not all watching the same video, like how do you manage that? Yeah, so normally how I do this, because, uh, you know, in the, what is that? And there's another tracker where you show the roadmap of the learning. For example, you know, in lesson one, we do this, lesson two, lesson three, and lesson one and two are self-paced, right? And lesson three is whole class activity. And, and when we do the work discussion, going through the questions, going through some of the questions in the video, right, is a whole class uh, session, is a whole class discussion. And the, the students are aware, you know, after finishing the lesson one and lesson two, we're going to discuss about it. Yeah, okay, that, that makes sense. Um, the, those whole group activities are a big topic in modern classrooms, like questions that come up a lot around how to manage full group activities because it's a self-paced class. That's that's really interesting. And it makes total sense because I agree with what you said before. Like I know teaching a class that's in Spanish and also having taught in English, students can be very nervous. Yeah, right, right. And especially I think for language learning because uh, um, most of the students that I have, um, based on my personal observation, uh, their learning mode in the past, you know, uh, experience in elementary school is all like live lessons, right? Because uh, they do everything uh, as a whole class or in stations, right? And uh, I think for beginning length learning, that's super important because you are really, you're having a lot of input the, 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 the whole time when you are in the classroom. But when you're getting to higher levels, uh, self-paced video can be much more, how to say? Like, I think whole classroom discussion and self-paced, they should complement each other, you know, and they should complement the, the how to say it, the, 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 the one goal is meeting the needs of that students. And that need could be uh, the content, you know, the knowledge and skill and, and the, the knowledge of that topic in that language, but also uh, in the skill where they use with the people in the classroom, um, or with the teacher, you know. Right. And that that need can't be met by them sitting and watching a video. Right, right, right. Uh, both of them are very important. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's a great point. That makes total sense. That's a great point. And and I think that that's it's probably one of the unique challenges of of a language class because you do you do need to meet very sort of like public facing needs so you can't just have every kid working alone on their computers. Yeah, that would be very miserable for them too. <laughs> it would. It would. <laughs> Yeah. It would, but it would. I love the way that you that you frame that in terms of a student need, right? Which is they need to learn how to interact with each other in Chinese. That's the reason that they're here, um, and I think that's that's a really great point. It's a really great point. Do you think you could give me an example of a lesson that you have a video on, like maybe a vocabulary lesson? Like what? How does the video go? Like what? What are you teaching in that lesson? Of uh, for example, um, last week I. It's like the example I I shared with you before, you know, it's a vocabulary session, right? And I actually, you know, taught the first class live, but in the afternoon I was tired, I was exhausted, I was like, I cannot do this one more time. And I know my afternoon class is, is right after lunch. If you talk <laughs> class after lunch, you know how that'll be like. I know, right? I do know exactly how that goes. Yes. So during my lunch break, I recorded this video. So in the video, basically, you know, the students are still given a handout. Uh, and the first page of the handout basically is a goal. And uh, I list the four vocab they're going to learn, right? And after each vocab, I put a blank uh, with a, uh, a dash line. on, Like the blank, right, is, is, is a space that they need to fill out. And that's just a reminder, you know, this will be the four words we're going to learn today. And then... I would provide multiple examples. Say, oh, in my room every day, I I do this on the table. I do that on the table. I dream to have another table, right? And uh, but those are the examples that the student have to listen to, and have to watch, and they can pick one that I write over there into their handout, or they can come up with their own. Uh, every student has has to build on this one. Showing the understand and the meaning. I mean, I love I love everything about this vocabulary teaching because you're not just telling them this is the Chinese word for narrow, learn it. <laughs> yeah, that that can be. That's probably my approach when I first started teaching. You know, uh, but but later I feel like you know vocabulary teaching can also be fun as well, and the kids actually like this kind of activity. You know. Yeah, because that's how we learn language. Like I was saying, I see this with my own kids. You know, like. They hear a word and they just try the word out. They're not scared they're going to use it wrong. And then I, I might have to correct them, you know, or teach them the right word to use in that case. But like, yeah, it's like they construct the meaning themselves. Yes, yes. I love that approach to vocabulary. I think that's so creative and it ties through in the videos and it ties through in the in the assessment as well. And it's just, I think that that's a really very cool and creative approach to teaching. Yeah, and I actually, I think I... I... I stole that from my wife. <laughs> not my, my, my original uh, creation at all. Right. Who is also yeah. a Chinese teacher, I suppose yes. we should mention. Yeah, she's amazing. She is. Yeah. She's the best. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, okay. So I, I do want to keep asking you questions about this the, for the whole night, but I know that we have to go. Um, so I guess to wrap up, we've you've shared a lot of very actionable tips for teachers. Um, but I guess, how would you sum this up? Like, What's a piece of advice, a big sort of overarching piece of advice that you would give to a language teacher who is considering trying out modern classrooms? Um, I know that you've talked about some very specific like issues that language classes present to teachers and, and particularly with regard to a self-paced model, a video-based model. So what would be your like 
big key piece of advice for a language teacher who was curious about modern classrooms? No, I uh, actually, I, I do not think from just speaking from a language teacher's perspective, although a language teacher facing different kind of, um, how to say, challenge in implementing uh, MCP. Uh, but in general, is you need to get started first. Like, it's okay. Just even you are not perfect, and and also you don't have to be perfect. And no one is perfect, right? And and there's there's nothing as this is the best example in implementing MCP, right? And uh, uh, thinking from, I would think for more from the perspective of how I can better serve the needs of my students, like their exact need, but at the same time. Do not spread myself too thin. I love that, and I think um, I, I loved the what you said before about how you like you taught your morning classes and then you were feeling tired, so you just whipped together a video really quick during your lunch break. Yeah, that's like the epitome of not trying to be perfect. You know, I'm sure that it went great because you had the experience of teaching it in the morning. You knew what the questions were. You knew exactly what you wanted to say, and so the video worked perfectly for what it was intended for, which was communicating that lesson so that you could go and meet those needs of each individual student, which is not the same for every student. They're all different. And so putting those, those student needs first and, and approaching them and, you know, using the video to make copies of yourself. So you're not spreading yourself too thin in terms of teaching, but you are available to, to check in with students where they need it, build relationships and, and meet their needs. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, that is, fantastic advice i think that you're right it doesn't only apply to language teachers i think that all all modern classrooms uh curious teachers could could give that a try just try it out you know the worst that could happen is you go back to teaching the way you're used to and you know which you probably will not (laughs) exactly right i I know i never will so there you go there you go well xiaomin this has just been fantastic thank you so much and i love having a sort of a different glimpse into your class i say this because we have you know, we work together. And like I said, some of my homeroom students are in your class. And so I can actually like, I can sort of just, uh, I feel like I have a different perspective on them too, and what they're doing in language class. So thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Of course. Listeners, remember, you can always email us at podcast at modernclassrooms.org. And you can find the show notes for this episode at podcast.modernclassrooms.org slash 114. We'll have this episode's recap and transcript uploaded to the Modern Classrooms blog on Friday. So be sure to check there or check back in the show notes for this episode if you'd like to access those. But otherwise, thank you all for listening. Have a great week and we'll be back next Sunday. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to topics and tools we discussed in our show notes for this episode. And remember, you can learn more about our work at www.modernclassrooms.org and you can learn the essentials of our model through our free course at learn.modernclassrooms.org You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Modern Class Proj, that's P-R-O-J We are so appreciative of all you do for students and schools Have a great week and we'll be back next Sunday with another episode of the Modern Classrooms Project Podcast Podcast